It's Friday, March 11th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Inflation continues to be the highest it has been in 40 years, driving costs up. But drivers nationwide are also having to contend with spiking gas prices, which are the highest since 2008. The invasion in Ukraine and bans on Russian oil and natural gas are keeping these prices high with no end in sight. Michael Laris, transportation reporter at The Washington Post, joins us for how people are adjusting as gas keeps going up. Next, President Biden's test to treat program started rolling out this week to praise and also many questions. People will be able to walk into participating pharmacies or clinics, and if they test positive for COVID, they will be given a free course of Pfizer or Merck's antiviral pills. Questions are still floating around about supply of pills, rapid tests, and concerns over drug-to-drug interactions. Katie Shepard, health and science reporter at The Washington Post, joins us for more. Finally, the cost of going out is also going up with inflation, creating problems for the nightlife industry. The increased cost for supplies and labor for restaurants and bars is leading to raising entrance fees and charging more for food and drink. The need to socialize and go out is high post-pandemic, but the high cost is making people reconsider. Anna Kambampati, Styles reporter at The New York Times, joins us for Nightlife Inflation. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. I mean, prices were tough before because, you know, we're, we're like in the lower class and now it's like, especially here in the area of Crenshaw, you know, it's not like a higher class area, so it's, it's insane. I know I'm going to have to take the train more to get to places, you know, if my mom has to drop me off at practice or stuff like that. Joining us now is Michael Laris, transportation reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Yeah, great to be here. Well, let's talk about what many, many people are worried about right now, the gas prices. They're the highest they've been. The national average is the highest it's been since 2008. It doesn't show any signs of slowing. It's been going up steadily the past few days. Uh, And earlier this week, obviously, uh, President Biden said that we're banning the imports on Russian oil and natural gas. So that also started sending prices up. And it's really making a lot of people kind of, uh, you know, rethink what they're doing. I know uh, those in the ride hailing business are affected. Truckers throughout the country are affected. It's hitting everybody right now. So, Michael, tell us a little bit more about it, please. Yeah, no, I mean, it's across the board, like you're saying, and it does look like it's going to continue going up. I mean, if you look at today's average price across the country for a, a gallon of gasoline, it's $4.32. If you look uh, just a week ago, that's up 59 cents from from a week ago. Wow. So that's pretty significant. That's according to the AAA. And then you mentioned trucks, you know, diesel is also up to over $5, which is up you know, quite significantly over a year ago, a couple of dollars actually. And that affects everything from everyday work of truckers and the amount of take-home pay that they have, but also just, you know, supply chain issues and the cost of other goods. That's kind of what, when we talk to people on this issue, some of them say, look, we're already feeling sort of a pinch with other high prices. And, and this is sort of one more thing. That's what we're hearing. So what are a lot of the people that you spoke to, what are they doing to uh, try to mitigate this, the the high prices? I know some of them, like I said, just are rethinking trips that they're making. Some are putting gas a little at a time. That way they don't have to fill the tank up all at once. Yeah, I have to say that was one of the surprising things. Of, you know, when I spoke to folks and colleagues spoke to folks when people would come in and they put in 5 or $10 worth of gas and say, you know, they would say, hey, we're going to look around, see if we could find something cheaper in one case. 
this was in California, one of my colleagues was talking to someone, the guy put in just a few bucks, and then within a couple of hours, it had, you know, at that same station, got up by more than 10 cents a gallon. <laughs> wow. So that strategy, I'm not, I'm not sure about that strategy. You know, actually, one interesting thing, we, we were at one gas station in the nation's capital, a few miles from the White House. It was pretty expensive. Um, and the guy drove up, and he goes into the station, and he buys, he buys a soda, and he comes out, and I basically asked him, what's up? And he said, I'm not buying gas here. I'm going to buy it at my big box store. So like he, he's a member of BJ's. People talk about Costco. So there were some people that were really essentially shopping around to get the best deal that they could right. given the overall high prices. There's a lot of stuff, obviously, that goes into what these high gas prices are. Obviously, the price of a barrel of crude oil is the, is the biggest thing. That's like 53% of the total price. But transportation and retail, you know, getting that gas everywhere federal and state taxes, refining costs. There's even been a, a conversation about suspending some of the excise tax on gasoline just to help. But, you know, that could be a short-term thing and the longer term that might uh, bite us in the butt again, too. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's pretty interesting. I think the fact that the Russian war in Ukraine is coming after the pandemic and all the economic changes that happened at the beginning of the pandemic, obviously demand went way down, but then it came back and now, you know, people are out and about and the latest Omicron variant is, is sort of on retreat. And so, you know, people are driving more and so now demand is going up. So I think basically you have the whole, you know, Russian led war coming on top of this just big tension that's come because of the pandemic and, and all the economic problems that that has created in the in this market that you're describing. You know, there are all these costs that go into the gasoline. And now there's, you know, there's basically not enough supply to keep up with the demand that's that's out there, even if you're not including the war. And then you have the war on top of that, which is just sort of compounding it. One of the things you did focus on in the article was in the conversations that you had with people who they're putting the blame on. So there were people that are blaming President Biden for the outrageous costs that are going on right now. There's other people that said, hey, I get what's going on. I don't mind paying more right now. Obviously, they <laughs> might be in a better position to do that. But uh, tell me about that, you know, how American sentiment about where the blame lies in all this. I thought that that was one of the most sort of interesting things in hearing from people. Like you said, there was, you know, one guy told a colleague, hey, you know, I put it on the on the man in the White House. At the same time, you know, we had a, you know, individual in, in California who was who was mentioning, look, we should be in his mind uh, transitioning away from fossil fuels. And he was willing to take the hit, he said, to try to accelerate those changes and maybe use this sort of crisis to help speed those things up. But you make a good point, too. I mean, I think it was really true. One woman I talked to, she said, like, look, I'm, I'm lucky. This isn't really hitting me that hard, whereas other people were, were really feeling it. it. It has to do with where you are in the country. It has to do with your how much, you know, how much you make. And it's just it's a different picture in different parts of the country. Do you see in California, it's like 569 a gallon today, whereas in Oklahoma, it's 385. So it's just like it's different pictures based on where you physically are and then where, where your economics are. Michael Laris, transportation reporter at the Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. You bet. Great to talk to you. Taken together, all of these tools help us defang the virus, keeping our loved ones out of the hospital and saving lives. Joining us now is Katie Shepard, health and science reporter at the Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Katie. Thanks for having me. Well, President Biden's treat to test COVID plan started this week. There was a lot of providers that were able to sign up with the government so they can be part of the program. 
There's a lot of praise for this program. There's a lot of questions that still remain with it as well. You know, on its face, it seems like a great idea. People can go to a pharmacy or health center. If they test positive, they'll be given one of two uh, antiviral drugs, one made by Pfizer, one made, uh, made by Merck, that could help treat them uh, for COVID and keep them out of uh, the hospital without serious illness. So it sounds great. Uh, as I mentioned, it kind of started this week with the rollout. So we'll see how it all develops. But Katie, tell us a little bit more about the program. The Biden administration's test to treat program, which is part of the broader COVID preparedness plan, is really aiming to increase the equitable access to these COVID treatments by making it a lot easier to get the antiviral pills made by Pfizer and Merck. And that's important because these antiviral pills need to be taken within five days of symptom onset to be as effective as possible and keep people uh, who are high risk out of the hospital. But there are a couple of details in how this plan would be rolled out that some doctors uh, have raised concerns about the logistics of how this would play out. So one concern is that uh, allowing people to get these prescriptions through pharmacy-based clinics um, where they would see a uh, licensed provider rather than going to their primary care physician may not have the same level of familiarity with a person's medical history. And so they may not be as readily equipped to screen for drug-drug interactions as a primary care physician who has been working with somebody for a very long time and has that yeah. medical history and has that relationship might have. And, and that's, so that's one of the... And that's important because Pfizer's pill can't be taken alongside several common medications. The Merck pill it shouldn't be given to those younger than 18 because it's, they say it can affect bone and cartilage growth. So there are some specific requirements, I guess you could say, that would you know uh, let somebody uh, take some of these pills. So that was one of the concerns, right? If it's not your primary care doctor, could certain things slip through the cracks? That's right. That's one of the concerns that was highlighted by the American Medical Association um, last week when this plan was announced. Some people have pushed back on that critique of the plan um, because providers within the pharmacy-based clinics should still have access to the automated systems that screen for drug-drug interactions. When you go to write and fill a prescription, there are computer systems that keep track of, of the drugs that people um, have prescribed to them. So the hope would be that those systems, um, which regular primary care physicians also use, would catch potential problem, particularly with that Pfizer drug that has the list of medications that you can't take with it. Right. And, uh, you know, so we're, we're looking at this and um, some of the other questions are, and, and government officials have said there are plenty of pills, there are plenty of tests, but the limited supply thing is always kind of a concern. Um, you know, what if uh, right now, obviously, uh, cases are, are really down after the Omicron surge started fading out and everything, but everybody's always looking forward to, you know, what happens if there's another surge. So limited supply of tests and the pills themselves is always a concern. That's right. And that supply of the antiviral pills will be ramping up over the last couple of months, but they were in particularly short supply earlier this year during the Omicron wave. And there were a lot of reports from both patients and doctors of really serious difficulties finding those drugs in stock at pharmacies. And because of the short time frame within which you can start this 
treatment course, it's really important to be able to find those pills quickly and start a patient on them um, as quickly as possible. But there is going to be a pretty significant increase in supply. There are going to be a million additional courses of Pfizer's drug over this month and 2.5 million additional courses in April. So that's a pretty significant increase from about 500,000 courses that were sent out over January and February. The uh, officials have said that for people that are looking for these tests to treat uh, sites, uh, there's going to be some type of uh, website that's currently in development that should be available by the middle of the month where people can check on what sites are there. But we're going to be seeing a lot of CVS and Walgreens also get involved in this. And as you mentioned, right, this is a lot of this is aimed at those that don't have primary care providers. You know, you can obviously go see your doctor, but a lot of people don't have that option. And so putting these in CVS and Walgreens and things like that, it's going to be a real benefit to those that don't have that. Yes. And these large chain pharmacies, the government is working with nine big chains, including CVS and Walgreens to set up these test to treat locations. And the benefit of working with these larger uh, chain pharmacies is that they have these clinics attached to many of their locations where there are already licensed providers who are authorized to write these prescriptions. So you could really quickly roll out this plan to have people be able to walk into the pharmacy, get tested, see a provider, get the prescription and fill it all in one visit. Katie Shepard, health and science reporter at the Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. He was kind of shocked when he ordered four vodka sodas and the bill came out to $80. And he's now like, I should be more careful when I decide to say this one's on me or something like that. Joining us now is Anna Kambampati, Styles reporter at the New York Times. Thanks for joining us, Anna. Thank you for having me. Well, I wanted to continue talking about inflation. Obviously, it's hitting people all over the place in a variety of different ways. But Anna, you wrote an article talking about nightlife inflation, the cost of going out is going up. And this article focuses a lot on New York City. I I miss New York. I love it there. But part of the article that I really loved was just kind of all the names of all the bars and restaurants and clubs. So we have Pieces, uh, we have Pony Boys, Kind Regards, The Flower Shop, a lot of great names. But it really is just talking about how for the bars and clubs themselves, their costs are going up. So those have to be passed on to the customers. And then for the customers themselves, too, it's just, uh, you know, a lot of them are rethinking how much they want to go out. You know, you got to start saving money somewhere. So tell us a little bit more about it. Exactly. Yeah. For a lot of these nightlife venues, costs of pretty much everything have gone up from the cost of limes to the cost of napkins to paper straws and candles and alcohol. And so they're kind of left with no choice but to raise, um, you know, prices for the customer just by a dollar or two. And it ends up adding up for them um, and for the customer. And, you know, I talk to a lot of nightlife regulars and many of them are thinking, rethinking whether they should be going out as much. Um, One person I talked to who used to go out two nights per weekend is now just thinking about maybe I should just cut down to one night per weekend. And another person I talked to he was kind of shocked when he ordered four vodka sodas and the bill came out to $80. And he's now like, I should be more careful when I decide to say this one's on me or something like right. that. 
<laughs> yeah, and you know, and it, we're talking about something right that uh, is very much a luxury still going out and all that. But you know, even the you spoke to the executive director of New York City's Office of Nightlife, and they said the the need to socialize outweighs the cost in a lot of times. And I kind of agree right now, especially coming out of the pandemic, things are opening back up. We're trying to get back to normal. This is a big part of a lot of people's lives, and and socializing is huge. So it's it, it's tough that it's so expensive to do right now. And you made mention about the cost of limes. And I wanted to talk about that briefly because that is pretty crazy. So a box of limes, they said, you know, used to cost 25 bucks, something like that. And now the, a box can cost over $100. And so that's when you're talking about drinks, when you're talking about uh, making lime juice for drinks, that's a, a huge increase. The club that I talked to that saw that pony boy said that it's been costing more for them to create an ounce of lime juice than it does for an ounce of top shelf tequila, just because how high of how high the price for one case is. And, and because of that, now they're cutting down on handing out limes with every tequila shot. They're kind of just not doing that unless someone specifically asks for that. Yeah, the uh, price of fryer oil, this was at the uh, place called The Flower Shop, used to be $0.67 cents a gallon. It's $1.28 now. Uh, I mean, and so when you're making a lot of food, a lot of wings, whatever it is that you need it for, again, the costs are going to be passed down to the consumers now. Yes, exactly. So uh, what are the other uh, uh, things that in related with all of this nightlife stuff are obviously the workers, too. You spoke to a couple of DJs, people who work the scenes, and uh, even their costs, their fees for what they would do have gone down. You know, they're making less on uh, each night of, you know, running the music show and everything. That's right, you know, because you can only pass down so many costs to the customer until they stop showing up and being like, this is too expensive. Venues are looking for other places to cut down, and one of those places, unfortunately, is... DJ fees. Um, one DJ I talked to said he's making like pretty much half of what he might have been making before. And some workers have reported that there have been wage increases just because of the great resignation and the labor shortage right now. Some some venues have definitely had to increase hourly wages to just to try to get people to be their employees again. Yeah, some places uh, said that they were reporting uh, employee wage increases of more than 25% just to keep people. I mean, you need the workers there to be able to stay open. It's pretty tough. And, you know, obviously I know we're talking about New York. This is you know, a little emblematic of what's happening across the country. Maybe not these uh, sky high prices. Uh, you did speak to a couple of people, which uh, makes me just kind of think of my heyday and going out and just the price of some of these drinks. You talked to a woman who went out, she met a few friends. She got there late. She went to the bar by herself to get her drink. It was $28. I, I have not heard of a drink that expensive in quite some time. Yes, it's hard to imagine. It was just a gin and tonic, too. So it's, yeah, yeah, it, wasn't even like a, it wasn't even a full uh, <laughs> a mixology drink or anything. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, all of this really just makes me think, and I know a lot of people kind of uh, did this, too, when you're waiting for direct deposit to hit after midnight before you can go buy that next drink, things like that. I mean, it, it's tough. Uh, that that need for socialization is there, but, you know, the inflation is really hitting hard and, and it's gonna, it can be cost prohibitive to even enjoy a night out in the town. So we'll keep an eye out for all of this. Hopefully the inflation does start coming down. Anna Kambampati, Styles Reporter at the New York Times. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me.
That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.